Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot. Welcome from sunny Tampa, Florida. Just going to rub it in. Right at the start, right off the bat, right out of the chute, whatever metaphor you want to use, whatever comparison you want to use, whatever. Whatever it is, welcome to the Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30. The Blue Jackets coming off a loss yesterday in Washington. You know, ironically, you look at the games this weekend. The Blue Jackets played at home on Saturday late afternoon against the Carolina Hurricanes. A hard-fought battle in that one. And Kirill Marchenko gets his first NHL hat trick. Blue Jackets go on to win that one in a shootout. Four to three was the final in that game. And then they go into Washington yesterday and they played maybe their best game of the year. Honestly, it may have been, and I'm talking about the structure, the defensive structure, the execution, everything but the scoring. And I know the scoring is obviously a big thing. It's a really big thing. Like when you don't get any of it, you're in so much trouble. Uh, but anyway, they, uh, they, they played. Honestly, one of their one of their best games, if not their best game of the season, and lost the game, one to nothing. Gave up a goal just under three minutes into the first period, and then you just couldn't get anything going offensively. And why couldn't they get anything going off offensively? Well, I'll tell you, they uh, they had a tough goaltender to deal with yesterday. Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper was playing extremely well. And remember, the Washington Capitals over the summer, they felt that one of the biggest problems that they had was in goal. They felt that they needed to make some changes there. And they made wholesale changes. They changed both their goaltenders. But they got Darcy Kemper from the Colorado Avalanche. They signed him as a free agent. And he was a Stanley Cup winner. Got that win in the spring, or in the summer, I should say. Won the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. So they felt that they made their goaltending situation better. And if you look at yesterday's game as an isolated example, they did. They made it a lot better. The Blue Jackets couldn't beat them. Couldn't find a way to beat them. Even late in the game, when the Blue Jackets had the goaltender pulled, and they got some good chances. Darcy Kemper made the saves. His teammates cleared out the rebounds. Everything they had to do to win, that's what the Washington Capitals did. So it was frustrating from that standpoint that the Blue Jackets weren't able to get any goals. But when you look at what you're trying to do as a whole and what the Blue Jackets have not done as a whole throughout the year, you could see some really good things in that game. And I know moral victories don't mean anything. Nobody cares about good things if you're not winning games. I understand. I feel that way too. But, you know, the situation is what it is. And the situation is the Blue Jackets are still going out there every night and running eight or nine rookies out against some of the top teams in the NHL. The injuries are extremely hard to overcome. Can't overcome them. You just can't overcome them. We've been looking at this for months, right? So you have to start looking at other things. You're not looking at the playoffs. That's a fact. And it's a terrible thing to say on the ninth day of January, but it's just a fact. You're not looking at the playoffs. So what are you looking to do? You're looking to develop, and you're looking to you know, win if you can. You're always trying to win, 
that if you're not going to win games, at least play the right way and at least develop and at least have that structure that you're going to need in the future. And that's something that they just haven't had. There hasn't been enough structure here in the last couple of weeks. Why hasn't there been enough structure? Well, that's a question in and of itself. The Blue Jackets had a quote-unquote tough practice on Friday. And this was coming off a loss to the Washington Capitals at Nationwide Arena where they lost 6-2. to two. And they came out and they had a battle drill practice. You know, a hard and a physical practice. And after the practice, Brad Larson said, I'm not going to worry about energy level anymore. And what that means is, you look at the schedule. You play Thursday, you have Friday off. You play Saturday late afternoon, travel to Washington. You play Sunday late afternoon. You have the day off today, which they have a full day off today. And then you play against the Lightning tomorrow, have to fly home after the game, get home late. Then you play Thursday at home against Carolina. And then you leave Friday and you go to Detroit. It, it is just nonstop right now, and it's not an excuse. It's a fact. The schedule is not kind. However, instead of worrying about not practicing hard and having energy to play in the games, Brad Larson has finally said, screw it. If you're not going to play hard in the games, then we're going to play hard in practice. It's extremely simple. That just narrows it right down to what it is. If you're not going to do it in the game, then we're going to do it in practice. And they did it in practice Friday. And then they came out and they played well on Saturday. And then they played well again on Sunday. Now, one question might be, and I think it's a fair question, why did it take so long to get to that point? And I think there are several factors for that. I think, to an extent, as much as this team has changed, and as many young guys that have been brought in, that you know, you're, you're just trying to get guys acclimated to what's going on here, let alone battle drill practices. So I, I think that's one thing. And I don't know. I haven't asked Brad Larson specifically about it. I'm giving you my opinion on it. I think that's one thing. I also think that there is a uh, – I know this is true with me. With me, there's a sense of pride of being in the National Hockey League. Whether – I don't care how you got here. There should be a sense of pride with being here and knowing what you have to do to stay here. And this is the key because Brad Larson has said this. He just said it to me yesterday in the pregame interview I did with him. He said there are nine NHL players that are out of our lineup right now. That means there are nine players that are in the lineup that are coming out of the lineup because I have bona fide NHL players ready to go back in. If you are on that list of nine, How do you separate yourself or how do you remain in the conversation when the said nine start to come back? How do you remain relevant? How do you get consideration when somebody with more experience than you is coming back from an injury? How do you do that? Well, it's the way that you play. It's the way that you carry yourself, the way that you play. So I think as I look at it, If I was a young player getting a chance to come up and play, I would be doing everything, everything in my power to make sure that I'm still in that conversation. And I think there are some guys that haven't subscribed to that theory. I think there are some guys that can do more. I know there are some guys that should be doing more. And 
maybe it was just time for a reminder. Maybe it was time to have a practice like that as a friendly or not-so-friendly reminder. Now, those of you that have been with me and listened to the show for years, this will come as no surprise to you. If you're new, maybe it will. But, you know, there are some practices that I'm sure today would feel like if you have a hard practice as a coach or being mean or there's a punishment or something like that, and it wouldn't sit well. You know, I would say, who cares? Like, if it was me, it it would be a punishment. And as I said earlier, if you're not going to play hard during the games, then I will make sure that you play hard in practice. I have control of practice. I'm on the ice with you at practice. I can blow the whistle and stop anything at practice. I can make you line up and skate at practice. All of those things I can't do during a game. So if you want to see this punishment, you go right ahead. But I'm going to control practice. You know, one time when I was working in the ECHL, I can't remember where we were playing. It was my first year in the league, and Nick Fatiu was our head coach. Nick, you know, an old, tough guy with the New York Rangers. And Nick was a no-nonsense guy. People think that John Tortorella can't operate with today's athlete, which he obviously can because he's working in the league again. But Nick Fatiu, as much as I love him, there's no way I could see him being a coach today. There's no way. The expectation of what the players are would be off the charts. He wouldn't be able to handle it. But I can't remember where we played one night, but I do remember it was uh, one of those nights where we'd get home at like 2 or 3 in the morning, you know, bussing for hours to get home. Could have been Columbus, quite frankly. I've told the story before. In the two years I worked in that league, I don't think we won a single game at the fairgrounds. I think we just bussed out there. It took five hours to get there after you stopped for an hour to get something to eat, and you'd go and get pounded by the chill, and you'd get back on the bus and – bus four hours back home and get home 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning, something like that. This one was actually a little bit later. And I know it was later because I, I remember this specifically. But we got back to the building. We got back to Johnstown, middle of the night. And Nick Fatiu got up on the bus before we pulled into the parking lot. And, you know, in that league, all the players have to unload their own bags off the bus and take them into the, the, uh, into the dressing room. It's not like not like here where you've got three trainers that are going to go or three equipment guys that are going to go unload the the bus and take all your stuff in and hang it up for you. No, everybody had to do it themselves. And Nick got up on the bus and he said, when you get in here, take your bag, take it to your stall, get out your stuff and put it on because we're going to practice. It's a true story. Middle of the night. It's like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Their gear's soaking wet from the game that they had played or the game they had participated in, I guess I should say, because if they had, had played it, they wouldn't be putting the soaking wet gear back on. And he had them out on the ice in the middle of the night. And I remember because I thought, well, I could go home and go to sleep. There's nobody keeping me here, but I also have to do the game notes for the game two days from now. So I might as well just sit here and work on these while there's nobody in the office. So the office was up at the top of the, uh, the stands. And so I could uh, I could watch them and I could hear them out there 
skating at like honestly it was three thirty or four o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, borderline ridiculous, I guess you would say, in today's world. But that was a punishment practice. My whole point is that was punishment. What the Blue Jackets went through the other day was not punishment. It was a reminder. It was a reminder of what it takes to play in the National Hockey League. It was a reminder of what it takes to be successful in the National Hockey League. And I was not surprised at all to hear guys like Sean Corrali, Eric Branson, Patrick Laine, all saying, yeah, we needed that. We needed it. So they played better in the last two games since that practice. Does that have anything to do with it? Does it have it? Here's what I should say. Does it have to do with that directly or indirectly? I don't know. Maybe to an extent. Maybe it depends on the guy. Maybe for some it has something to do with it directly, and maybe for others it's indirectly. But, but they obviously needed it, and there was response from it. And I applaud Brad Larson for doing it. And just, you know, again, I, I like his line that says, I'm no longer worried about the energy. And I understand as a coach you worry about the energy. You don't want them to be burnt out from practice and so they don't have the legs to play the game because your job is to win games. And if, if that's going to put you further behind the eight ball because you wore them out in practice, that would be a concern. I get it. I understand. But sometimes you get to a point where you just have to do what you have to do. And I feel they reached that point on Friday. And again, they've responded. One was good for a win. One was good for a really good performance, but an unfortunate loss. But again, when you look at the two games, you know, separate the Saturday and Sunday game from the games leading up to it. You look at those two games, there is a difference. You can see a difference. So I guess... To answer my previous question, directly, it did make a difference. And now it's time to go back to work tomorrow in Tampa against the Lightning. Schedule doesn't get any easier, does it? Here, let me answer that question for you. No, because you've got Tampa tomorrow, then you go right back home to take on Carolina again on Thursday. And Carolina, going into that game on Saturday, had dropped two in a row, and they wanted to get a win. They had to settle for a point. So you think they're not going to be fired up for that game on Thursday? Oh, yes, they will be. It's going to make it harder for you. But hard, not impossible. When I talked to Gavin Bayreuther yesterday before the game in Washington. He said something that jumped out at me. He talked about playing the third period of that game against the Hurricanes the other day with uh, confidence instead of hope. Think about that. Played with confidence not with hope. You know, if you're hoping to do something, where's your confidence? If you know you're going to get something done in life, I don't care what it is, winning a game is just a that situation. If you're confident in what you're doing, you know for sure what you're doing, and you have that confidence, do you get it done? I would say probably 98% of the time you get it done, and that other 2% is for something unforeseen because you're confident in it. If you're hoping to do something, what are those chances? 50-50? I mean, I don't know. If you're hoping, you know, hold on to hope, it's 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 just not the same. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and I thought it was dead on, for sure. It was dead on. But um you know, that's where the mindset is. Those guys know they played well yesterday. 
They know they played well on Saturday, and they know that they're going to have to play even better tomorrow if they want to be able to get any points against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So now we are at the point where you jump in, and questions that you have, I answer, and you can do it a number of ways. Uh, some of you have already sent me a tweet on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports with your question. Uh, many of you are live right now on Twitter Spaces. If you would like to ask your question live, just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you on, and you can do just that. Let's look at some of the stuff uh, that I have here. Let's go back to uh, after the game last night. Andy McLean sent me a quick tweet that said, Blue Jackets look good over the weekend. Both goalies played well. Glad to see Elvis bounce back. Elvis did bounce back in uh, in a big way yesterday. And he wasn't bouncing back the right way early in that game. And he admitted that. And he talked with us about it after the game. Brad Larson, during a TV timeout, I don't know if it was the first one or the second one. I think it was the first one in the first period. Called him over to the bench, which you never, ever see. But he called him over to the bench. And Elvis said, he told us after the game, he said, I was, I was mad. I was upset. I thought I was giving up too many rebounds. I didn't feel like I was locked in like I needed to be, and I was mad about it. And he called me over, and he just said, hey, you just made a really big save. It's okay. Trying to snap him back. And Elvis admitted that even at that time, after that conversation, he still didn't feel like he was back, but it was enough to kind of, you know, shock him back to reality. You know, almost like a parent, I guess, in a way, right? You go, hey, everything's fine. What's wrong with you? You're good. You're good. Come on. Have confidence in yourself. Back to the confidence thing, right? Have confidence in yourself. But he did. He uh, he settled down. He played well. Uh, one of his better games, for sure, in what has been a very turbulent season for him, as he's talked about. Injuries, illness, and ineffectiveness. That's been Elvis's season. So it was good to see him play like he did yesterday. But it was even better to see the players play the way they did in front of him. And it goes, again, to illustrate how important the structure of your team is and playing defense as a team, how important that is to winning and how important it is to a goalie. If you're scrambling all over the place, your goalie is probably going to look terrible regardless. If you're playing the way that you're supposed to play, making sure that he can see shots, clearing rebounds away from him, helping him out, um, all those things, making sure the shots come from the outside, blah, 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 blah. If you're doing those things, it's amazing how good you can make a goalie look immediately. He's doing the same job. You're just helping him to do it better. And that's what they did yesterday. So it was good that, that they, they did that for him because it's been a while. Let's be honest. It's been a while since, as a group, they've played that way in front of Elvis. Here's a question from Jody. She says, I'm a bit puzzled that Kirill Marchenko had less time against the Washington Capitals after having a hat trick the previous night. Also, Elvis was looking much better in his last two starts. He was a lot more calm in the net. Yes, as we just talked about, he did get calm after the early part of the game. I bring up that uh, Marchenko thing because I know I have another one here, so let me just get to it. Siebes says, after Marchenko's hat trick game on Saturday, he was rewarded with the fourth line and 10 minutes of ice time on Sunday, beating out only Carson Meyer. Can you explain this? Well, no, I can't. <laughs> can't explain it I mean those are those are coaches decisions and you, you're going with a uh, you're going with a feel uh, throughout the course of the game is is all that I can tell you 
quite honestly. Um, you know, it's easy to look back. It's easy to second guess. And I understand, I understand why, uh, why you would and why you are. But it, can I explain it? No, I can't explain it. I mean, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm just watching what's going on like you. I want to get the, uh, I want to look at the final numbers here and just, just check it out as far as the ice time. Just to, just, just to be on the record here. Kirill Marchenko had 10 minutes and 32 seconds of ice time. Carson Meyer had nine minutes and 54 seconds. So yes, Carson did have the least amount. Sillinger's on that line. Now, he got some special teams play. Well, so did Marchenko. But uh, Sillinger had 12 minutes and 37 seconds. You know, part of it is, quite honestly, because you're playing against a team like the Capitals, if Sean Corrali, Matthew Olivier, and Liam Foody are playing well, they're going to get a lot of time in a game like that. It's just a fact. Sean had 16 minutes and 44 seconds which is identical, by the way, to what Johnny Gaudreau had in that game. Um, Where's Olivier here? Olivier had 14 minutes and 19 seconds. I mean, well, Crowley gets out there for more face-offs, so that's why his numbers go up. But in a game like that against the Washington Capitals, you, you want to roll four lines. First of all, it's a second game of a back-to-back, so you want to roll four lines as much as you can. But if Crowley's line is playing well, they're going to play – more in that game. Now, again, you look at Marchenko and say, well, he scored a hat trick and you didn't get any goals. Why wouldn't you have him on the ice more? All right, legitimate question. But you also have to take into account who you're playing and you got to play defense too. And I'm not saying Marchenko's bad at that because I think he's pretty good, actually. But the Marchenko Meyer Sillinger trio is not the same defensively as a Corrali. Olivier Foodie, which, by the way, Liam Foodie, that guy's a head-scratcher for me because there are sometimes he looks so good and and other times that he doesn't jump out. And I, I thought he was good yesterday. And, you know, he's a first-round pick, so when you're talking about scoring goals, you'd like to see him score goals. He still doesn't have one in the NHL. But he made some good plays yesterday, and if he's playing with those two guys – and he is being responsible, then he can get the minutes and he can play. I didn't check his minutes, by the way. Fourteen forty nine. So, yeah, he's right there. He had 30 more seconds than Matthew Olivier had, and that could be stuck out on the ice for 10 more seconds on three shifts. That could make up for that. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just I, I think it's just the way a game is going. You know, Marchenko, he earned those minutes that he got. And this is another thing I think is fair to say. He earned the minutes that he got on Saturday because every time he went out there, he was being effective. And Brad Larson said this to me when I talked to him pregame yesterday. He goes, now, the the real trick is to do it again today. So, obviously, he wasn't making the same impression yesterday as he was the day before. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm just saying the day before, he was hot. You could see it. He was making the guys around him better, and they all got a chance to play more. And yesterday, maybe there was, for whatever reason, there were guys that he felt that he had out, have out there a little bit more than him. You know, I, I just, just because you're the hot hand one day doesn't mean you're going to be the next day. And you need to recognize that early as a coach. So we can talk about the final minutes, but, you know, you'd have to go back and look at the video and, and look at the, the beginning of the game because you know he's getting the opportunity 
to do it again in the beginning. But, you know, where it goes from there, basically you're making that decision as a player based on the way that you play. Uh, What else do I have here? Uh, Here's a fun question. Michael Poole says, we're having a family discussion. What happens to the hats that are thrown on the ice for hat tricks at Nationwide Arena? Didn't they used to sell them for hats for heroes? I don't know that they ever, they have hats for heroes they used to sell, but not the ones that other people threw on the ice, I don't believe. Those all go into that, uh, that tank that is on the main concourse on the backside of the arena where every hat trick in franchise history is listed on the glass there. They put all the hats in there. So that is, that should help with your family discussion. And now you can, now you can tell me which one of you had it right or if any of you had it right. Mark Carell second. Mark says, many fans want to see Brad Larson gone, but I think the front office has given him a pass this season due to injuries. I don't see any chance of a coaching change this late into the season. Do you have a similar impression? Yes, I do have a similar impression. And I don't think it's necessarily giving him a pass, as you put it, Mark. Um, How about give him a chance? He really didn't have a chance from day one with this team. Patrick Laine got injured in the first game. So in the first game, one of your premier scorers is out, and he's been out two other times since then. Your top defenseman has been out since, what was it, week three? Week two, week three? Within the course of a month or less, four of your six defensemen from opening night were out of the lineup, two of them for the entire season. The other two, one was out for eight weeks, just came back, although he's been healthy scratch the last two games. I'll give you that. And the other is coming back either tomorrow or maybe at home on Thursday or maybe at the latest on Saturday in Detroit. I'm talking about Boquist and Blankenberg in that order. So you've got four of your top six defensemen are gone before the season's even a month old. (laughs) I mean, that's... You're playing nine rookies a night. Eight or nine, sometimes ten rookies a night. That's not a pass, Mark. That is just... Like, what are you going to do? What are you supposed to do? You're doing the best that you can do as a coach, but, you know, you're... What are you being given to play with? American Hockey Leaguers in the National Hockey League against some of the top teams in the National Hockey League. So Brad Larson should not, in my opinion, shouldn't be on the hook for what's going on here. It's just what has happened. It's bad stinking luck in many cases. If you have a full squad and the team that you came out of camp with and you have very little injuries and you're struggling like this, then then maybe we have a different conversation, but we're not in that position. We're not. And if you say, well, you know, you were talking about that battle practice. What took him so long to have it? Well, again, I, I told you what reasons there could be. You're trying to do the best that you can do. It's like trying to play cards without the cards, right? You're trying to play poker, and all I got is a handful of jokers. 
Maybe that would work in both. Yeah, but uh, bad example. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So I, I, I don't see it as a pass. I, I think that, you know, you've uh, these guys, all of these coaches, they've been handicapped throughout the course of the entire year. You know, even with the goalies, I mean, all three of them have been hurt at different times. Tarasov is right now. Elvis was. Corpusalo was. The defensive structure in front of the goaltenders has not been good. So, you know, it's it's easy to blame. You know, when your quarterback stinks, you want to blame the quarterback's coach. When your goalie stinks, you want to blame the goalie coach. There's a lot more to it than just that. So I, I don't I don't see it as a pass. I I you know, I, I would think it would be to an extent unfair to evaluate based on, you know, what you've had to play with. It's just the way it is. I mean, teams are built you're supposed to have depth, right? And you're supposed to be built that throughout the course of the season, if you need guys due to injury, uh, they're there to bring up and, and keep things churning. But eight or nine at a time? I mean, that's that's a tall order. Stanley. Stanley says, uh, it was reported that Yarmo was to meet with Alexander Texier a few weeks ago in Europe. Any word on how that meeting went? Is he getting better? Do they plan on bringing him back next year? Is he playing anywhere currently? Yes, he is. He's playing in Switzerland. And it's not far from his home. It's only a couple of hours away, so he's able to be with his family and and get back there. Uh, I haven't talked to Yarmo about that conversation. I don't know what he said. I know the same as you. I know what I've read about it. Um, Stanley, I'm not trying to be mean about this. I just, the reason I know the same as you is because he's... uh, He's not here, so I just haven't put any energy into it. He's not here. He's not going to be here this year. I've been concentrating on the guys that are here and what's going on. So I, I don't mean to sound like I don't care about it. I just, that's what I've been focused on. Is he coming back next year? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, he could or he could not. That's going to be up to him and where he is with his personal situation and you know what he wants to do. That's... That's completely going to be up to him. I'm I'm going to tell you right now, personally, I'm not holding my breath. No way am I holding my breath about it. And, I, and, and if he comes back, great. And if he doesn't come back, well, so what? And again, that sounds insensitive. I, I, I understand, but that's not what I'm trying to be. If you don't want to be here for whatever the reason is, if, if there's something that's more important and you can't be here, or if you don't want to be here, okay, that's fine. Then do what you got to do. But there are going to be guys that are going to be here and that's what I'm going to concentrate on. So it, that's up to him and we'll see what happens at the end. Uh, let me see. Harudu street. Any ramifications for preventing a rookie of the year award by cutting Kent Johnson and Marchenko in preseason? Huh? No, I, Really, I don't know what that means, but there, there's no ramifications of any of that. Uh, does Brad Larson realize chemistry among line mates is an advantage? Did he actually play the game? Are you kidding me right now? Are you serious? Yes. Yes, he played the game, and he played it in the National Hockey League. Does he realize chemistry is an advantage? Yes, he does. Has he been trying to find it all year long? Yes, he has. Has his lineup changed on almost a daily basis? Yes, it has. 
Johnny Gaudreau's had a bunch of different line combinations. Yeah, he has, because they're trying to figure out what works. Has anything worked consistently? I'll tell you what. To be honest with you, Patrick Line with Jack Roslovic and Gus Nyquist has worked better than the other combinations that Patrick has been in so far. I should ask you the same question. You know, did you play in the league? No. And I hate to do that, but I mean, this is this is just dumb. This is just stupid. Does he realize the chemistry is important? No. Did he play? No. Like, for God's sake. Uh, you know, I you could give whatever coach. You pick the coach. You pick the coach and tell me um, how they could make dealing with what has gone on with this team better. And I'm talking about all the injuries and, and, and the, the combination of rookies that have been in on a nightly basis. You know, the most experienced coach in the league is going to struggle with that. Uh, anyway, let me get some uh, semblance of normalcy here. I think there's a way that I can do that. Pretty sure there's a way I can do that right now. And that's by going to Twitter spaces. And Donald. We can get Donald connected. I'll bring Donald up. And uh, there you go, Donald. How are you? Not too bad yourself. Good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm one of those weird CBJ fans that lives far away from there, I was at the game last night. I was in the third row watching it all, and it was it was great to see our boys put in the effort. You know, like there's nothing to be ashamed of. All the Caps fans around me had like nothing to really say to me because they're like, "Dang, that was a that was a damn good game," you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And uh, I just kind of want to back you up if you don't mind. Like all this stuff about Larson, yeah, we all we all have our frustrations with how the year's gone. But as you said, injuries are what they are. You know, chemistry changes uh, with all the people in and out. And, you know, kind of just I, I don't know what else you can ask from him. And I think the fact that he is still there and he had that intense practice last week and we're all thinking like Herb Brooks and all that kind of stuff. I think that the, the reason why people need to let go of this whole fire Larson notion is that the team responded to that. If the team would have shut down and just kind of in one ear out the other and gone about not playing well after that practice. Now we can talk about, you know, chemistry with the team and what, what's going on with the locker room. But I think after they responded the way they have with possibly the best two game stretch of the season so far against quality competition, people just need to get over it and just let it, let it go on and play itself out. See, I knew you would bring a sense of normalcy. I try. Yeah, well, you did. And and what you said is, I think it's spot on, number one. And number two, just to back up your point, after the game last night, Patrick Line talked about that practice again and how important it was that they needed that practice. Now, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and Patrick Line, this is no offense to him, but if there's a player that you're looking at and saying, well, I'll bet you he wouldn't like that, you know, and and what if he's upset? And then what are you going to do? Um, but he's not. And he knows. They all know. And and they were all into it. And and I I really think, and I would be I would be really curious to know, um, if some of that came from some of the older players in the room too. To be honest with you, um, yeah. you, you know, just saying, we really need this. And not that the coaches wouldn't know it. You know. 
if you're a coach and you know it and you are worried about the energy level, if some of your veteran players came to you and said, don't worry about the energy level, we need to do this. This is just not working out. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but but it could. I, I could see it happening. Um, Absolutely. And I'd be curious about that. But, yeah, when you have a guy, especially to your point, like Patrick Line that is, you know, had to go out there and have that kind of a practice and says – because you know that that's not the kind of practice he wants to have. He wants to go out there. He wants to skate, go through drills, and score goals, and that's fine. But even he knows that, you know, enough is enough. There's a time and a place, and here it is. So you're right. If it if it goes in one ear and out the other, that is, that's way more telling about a coach and the respect that he has in the room than what we've seen in the last two days. So well put, Donald. Thank you. And I, I, I guess on line A's point, I think that proves how much he's dedicated to this team and the organization in the town of Columbus. I think I think that the way he responded and Well, I think I just lost Donald there. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And the the only other thing about it is um I just want to see Patrick score. <laughs> so do you, so does he. I mean that's that's what we want to see. We want to see him uh, get some more goals and see the Blue Jackets as a as a whole get some more goals and uh and get some wins. Get some wins. It's way more fun to win. It's not fun to lose. It is never fun to lose. Uh, the next opportunity for the Blue Jackets to get a said win is going to be tomorrow night here in Tampa. They'll take on the Lightning. Puck drops at 7 o'clock tomorrow evening. It's going to be a hard-fought battle again. Uh, Blue Jackets were just down here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as I said to you earlier, they have the day off today. It's the scheduled day off. They get a chance to breathe and hang out, and it's warm, and it'll be a nice day off. But tomorrow, they got to go right back to work, and they've got to work hard, as they did against Carolina on Thursday, and as they did, or, or I'm sorry, Carolina on Saturday, and as they did against the Washington Capitals yesterday. That's that, that's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. they got to come out, and they've got to do the work. It's as simple as that. And... Uh, you know, keep doing the work. Eventually, it is going to pay off in getting the results. These guys always talk about, you know, they're uh, not getting the results that they're looking for. If they continue to play like they did in the last two games, they're going to continue to get results. Blue Jackets are back at home on Thursday to take on the Carolina Hurricanes. That game is being presented by Bread Financial, and the first 15,000 fans are going to get a Blue Jackets puck to get your tickets just go to bluejackets.com slash tickets. It's very easy. Very easy. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Blue Jackets Tampa Bay Lightning from Amelie Arena here in Tampa. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on Valley Sports Ohio and on the Blue Jackets Radio Network, and I will have the call for you on the Blue Jackets Radio Network tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Thanks for all your questions today. It's been great. And I will talk to you tomorrow.